Hello and welcome to this episode of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded in the beautiful home office, Chateau Relaxo, Florida. Tonight, it's once again time for the September Crazy Travel Roundup. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome back. This week I spent several days up in the northeast area of the U.S. One morning it got down to 54 degrees and it was absolutely glorious. Uh, Take it from this Florida boy who was about tired of 80 and 90 degree days. The leaves were just starting to tinge, just a little bit of color. Really pretty. I'm sure in another three or four weeks it'll be absolutely spectacular up there. I flew into Providence, Rhode Island and flew back out of Hartford, Connecticut towards the end of the week. couple restaurants worth noting. One was the Engine Room in Mystic, Connecticut, located on the banks of the Mystic River in a repurposed engine, marine engine factory. And Mystic, from what I can tell, is the quintessential Connecticut town. Tons of white Cape Cod-style homes mixed with just an endless supply of sailboat, sailboat masts from... Uh, boats out on the river. We started out the meal with Wings Al Pastor, which was a koji brine, slow-smoked, pineapple-glazed Mexican chili rub sauce. It was truly amazing. My best guess from the flavor profile of the uh, dry chili rub is that it's my, had my new favorite spice, Tajin, somewhere involved in it. You know, the good thing was that none of us left with the typical uh, messy hands from buffalo sauce. In this case, they were all kind of dyed a deep maroon from the chili rub. So uh, required several napkins to recover from that. My meal was a Thai coconut pulled pork sandwich. Kind of interested to see what their take in the north is on pulled pork. I know down for me in the south, it's usually involving some kind of barbecue. The pork was on a bed of a cucumber carrot slaw and then covered with a sweet chili aioli cilantro sauce. And it was sandwiched between a bun, which I ended up just kind of tossing the bun aside, and I'm glad I did. My wife calls this one of those goopy meals, the the moisture and the heft of the pork. There was no way the bun was going to contain it. You really needed something like a ciabatta bread or something with a little bit more substance or heft to it to hold it. I liken those sandwiches as once you start eating it, you can't put it down because there's no way you're going to ever be able to pull it back up off the plate without it just crumbling in your hand. But it was great. Phenomenal, phenomenal Thai coconut pulled pork sandwich. A couple beers of note was Hopzilla. From everything that I see in the stores, Hopzilla has got to be the new number one name for any kind of beer, especially if it's an IPA. This Hopzilla came to us from Lawson's Finest Liquids, 8.7 APV. And what was cool is they were actually doing, and usually when you see 8 and 9 ounce APVs, they don't give you a 12 ounce pour. And there's a couple reasons. There's one, three or four of those at 8 or 9%. Uh, your amateur beer guy will be hammered. Really, the main reason is those higher APVs are a little bit more expensive. So to keep the cost of those pours about the same as your yinglings or your land shark or your typical beers is they'll cut down the volume. 
And typically they cut it down to 8 ounces, but they were actually doing 10 ounce pours, which is really, really nice. And then followed that one up with a number one nightclub from Carlton Brewing, and it came in at 7.5 APV. Definitely some good beer selections. I think they had about 17 on tap. And I'm guessing the closer that you get up into the Vermont area, there's more and more microbreweries. And I guess some of them are actually producing for the local restaurants. Lunch the next day was at Chicago Sam's Sports Bar and Grill in Enfield, Connecticut. Typical sports bar. There was probably six of us in there at lunchtime. But from the amount of TVs and tables in there, I'm going to guess that place is jumping at night, especially when there's a game on. Went with a Philly cheesesteak, right? It's a sports bar. What else are you going to have? And, of course, that's accompanied with a plate of seasoned fries. And believe it or not, the fries were better than most. All three of us kind of commented on them. Typically, you know they're not fresh, you know, they're wherever they're sourcing them from. Actually pretty good. Philly cheesesteak was good. You know, nothing remarkable, nothing terrible about it. A good good service. Definitely would go back there when I'm in town for lunch. I'd actually like to go back for dinner sometime just to see the absolute craziness that I'm sure that place would display. So it's time for this month's Crazy Travel Roundup. And right out of the gate, we're going with TMZ. <laughs> and I love TMZ. They know how to get right to it. Passenger goes nuts and smokes weed. An American Airlines jet made an unscheduled landing Friday after a passenger lit up a joint and got super aggro, which I don't know if that stands for aggressive or aggravated, but aggro. I have to look at Urban Dictionary. We're told the plane was flying from Phoenix to Minneapolis, but an hour into the flight, the pilot went on the intercom and said that they had to make an emergency landing in Denver because of a security issue in the back. So here's a note. Nothing ever happens in the front of planes, people. It's always in the back. Same thing with buses. Nobody ever does anything crazy in the front of a plane. The passengers were a little freaked out trying to figure out, hey, what's going on? The buzz in the cabin was that someone in the back had said they were telling everyone around him that he was on cocaine. And that's when the guy with the dreads in the video ran to the back of the plane and into the bathroom and locked the door. So I've said this time and time again. My issue with people that smoke marijuana, legalize it, do whatever you want, but the professional marijuana smokers is that smoking marijuana becomes their number one life goal. Hanging around enough of these hardcore dope users and eventually you'll hear something like, oh, I bet we could hollow out the pizza crust and use it as a pipe. Time and time again, their quest in life is to find new and different ways to smoke marijuana. And besides a flight from Phoenix to Minneapolis, what, two and a half hours at most? This guy couldn't wait? Come on, Dreadlock man, get your ass together. And besides, you're giving a, a bad rap to everybody out there that has dreadlocks. Lifehacker sends, do you applaud when your flight lands? So in case you missed it, a couple weeks ago, it was Jerk Week over at Lifehacker HQ, which means we've been telling you how to deal with jerks all week long. But what happens if you might be the jerk? Sometimes it's not exactly clear who the culprit is. Well, the only reason I posted this is I like Lifehacker. If you applaud when your plane lands, you're a jerk. It's very simple. It happens, I would say, about 50% of the time. 
you know, yeah, the miracle of flight, it's a miracle, but it works. You know, it's kind of like sending somebody an email and then turning around and calling them on the phone to see if they got it. Email works. Planes generally tend to fly and generally tend to land. No need for an applause. Fox News, American Airline passenger pops blister splashes seatmates with blood. Disgusting. American Airlines is getting a little bit of love this month. Passengers on a recent American Airlines flight were likely left cringing after a woman's foot blister popped during the flight in a medical mishap that reported medical mishap that reportedly splashed blood onto two people, a book, the plane's cabin walls, and a window. And this was posted on Twitter. A bloody mess on my flight to Miami. Woman in aisle seat has blister on foot pop. Blood splatters across aisle, including on two of the guys in front of me, one of their books, and the window. Flight attendant says at Miami-Dade Fire will have to meet flight. Well, first, thank you, Florida. You know, second, what is it about airlines and airplanes that make people want to take their shoes off. Do yourself or don't do yourself a favor, but just check out passenger shaming and you'll see picture after picture of bare feet. I, for one, am not freaked out by bare feet, but for some people it is absolute kryptonite. However, we do seem to be fascinated with pimple, blackhead, and blister popping. I mean, there's shows and YouTube channels focused on it, you know, but however, that doesn't mean that any of us wish to become an unwilling participant in the event. I think I would probably get a little skittish if I got splattered by blood. Again, I don't think this blister could have appeared mid-flight, maybe, maybe the pressurized cabin, who knows. Throw on an extra sock, grab a bandage, grab an ace bandage, put on a a closed toe shoe, do something, but uh, fix that before you get on the plane. New York Times post, a French worker died after sex on a business trip. His company's liable. A court in France has ruled that a man who died from a heart attack after having sex during a business trip had suffered a work-related accident and that his employer was liable. The man who was identified in court documents only as Xavier, what a great name, of course he's French, I bet, traveled in 2013 Uh, into one of the central regions of France as a security technician for a rail engineering company. After work one night, he had sex with a woman at her house before returning to his hotel. He later died from a heart attack said to have been linked to the encounter. I'm doing all I can not to insert all kinds of jokes. You know, I've heard this from many road warriors. I don't want to get caught in bed with either a dead girl or a live boy. Apologies to Edwin Edwards, the politician that actually coined that phrase. But this does bring up a pretty much a valid point for road warriors. You know, where's the line between business time and personal time, right? Having sex at lunch at the office is a great way to have an impromptu meeting with human resources. We all agree. But what about sexy time on a Tuesday night while at the Hilton in Buffalo, New York. Where is that line between work time, play time, pleasure time, and where does that liability fall? Well, apparently, uh, for this rail engineering company, it fell squarely on the bed, so to speak. Police seek drivers of abandoned Amish buggy equipped with loud stereo in Michelob Ultra. Thank you, boing boing. 1 a.m. last Sunday, two men were enjoying a ride in their Amish buggy with a banging stereo and enjoying a 12-pack of Michelob Ultra 
when the cops showed up, rather than discuss their apparent behavior with the representatives of local law enforcement, the two revel-seeking reportedly Amish gents took to the woods, leaving their horse, beer, and stereo-laden buggy ambling down the road. The men were drinking a 12-pack of Michelob Ultra that was settled atop the buggy while blasting music and riding through North Bloomfield, Ohio's deputy said. There were several open bottles in the buggy. Hey, what goes clip-clop, clip-clop, bang-bang, clip-clop, clip-clop? An Amish drive-by shooting. You know, a 12-pack of Mick Ultra is kind of like testing the waters with your big toe before jumping in. A 12-pack, I think that stuff probably weighs in at 3 or 4% APV. You know, the horse is going to do what he wants. I don't know if there's such a thing as drunk horse driving or buggy driving, I have no idea. You know, maybe the convenience store or the stop and rob they bought the Mick Ultra from thought they were going to use it to water their crops. All I know is this reminded me of the uh, real-life version of the Weird Al Amish Paradise video. And there's something intriguing about the Amish. I remember when there was the show uh, Amish Mafia several years ago, and I loved it. I was I was all about that show. Probably says something for my uh, character and makeup. Here's a site I recently stumbled across, as well as a, a YouTube channel, Vice. Woman chugged an entire bottle of cognac rather than give it to airport security. A Chinese woman was stopped in Beijing for having a bottle of cognac in her carry-on. What else could she do but pound the entire bottle on the spot? But then, of course... Guess what? She wasn't feeling so good when Zhao, a woman who appeared to be in her 40s, arrived at Beijing Capital International Airport for a noon flight transfer to Wenzhou. She was stopped at the security checkpoint for trying to bring an entire bottle of Remy Martin XO Excellence, valued at roughly $200, and they're pretty close, through in her carry-on. No big deal, right? But a bit of a dilemma. Well, you know what? My hat's off to you, Zhao. Remy Martin XO Excellence Bottle Drainer. I've heard of people on cruises sitting in the uh, in the hallways draining bottles of booze right before hitting the port to avoid some customs charges. But, you know, seriously, there's four or five of them doing it. I know a lot of professional drinkers, and I can guarantee you but none of them are shooting down cognac. One of the travel blogosphere sites, View from the Wing, gave us this one. United Airlines says it's immoral to move to a better seat while in flight. When there's an empty seat on a plane you like better than yours, can you switch? Different airlines take different approaches. And for the ones that say no, that's a relatively recent change. And it's no surprise that customers are confused, right? Years ago, open seats were pretty much fair game. People would move Different rows on long-haul flights, hoping to get an extra seat next to them. Southwest still has open seating. You can take any seat that you want. You can choose any seat that's open when you board. They actually sell earlier boardings. However, once you're on the plane, it's the Lord of the Flies. Some passengers save seats for others who are boarding later. I've got a couple strategies I'll talk about one day about trying to keep a, a seat, the middle seat open. Others put fake crumpled up tissues in the middle seat so that no one will sit there. However, United Delta and American all monetize seat assignments, selling you the specific seats you might want. Each of these take a different tact. So here's my take. Airline seats are sacred grounds. And when I fly Southwest, 95% of the time, seat 9C is my holy place. It's in the aisle. 
Row nine is where they start serving snacks and beverages, right? Rows one, rows nine, and I think it's row 17. So you're going to get your, your snack, your little bag of pretzels, and your uh, cup of ginger ale first. The other reason is in row nine, my scientific, not scientific, but just a lot of flights, has proven to me that you have the best chance of having an empty middle seat next to you. And the reason is simple. Living in Florida, the first eight rows are going to fill up quickly because you've got all the people down here in God's waiting room that can't walk to the back of the plane. So those first eight rows are going to fill up quick. You grab your seat in row nine, and then what starts boarding next is the B group and the C group. So this is going to be the families that can't spend the extra 25 bucks a person to get an early seat. They're going to be looking for seats together. They immediately start heading to the back of the plane. Those seats are going to quickly disappear, and there'll be nothing left but middle seats. But by the time that people make it from the back of the plane up to the front of the plane where you've got 9B next to you, they're probably going to have taken one of those empty middle seats. So that works for me, like I said, 90, probably 90% of the time when there's open seats on the airplane or they say this plane is full, all but two or three seats, I stand a pretty good chance of having an open 9B next to me. But I, I think I will. I think I'll do a, a podcast on how to help secure an empty seat. <laughs> I don't know how ethical that is. Okay, back to this. United Airlines is saying that immoral to move to a better seat, but wasn't it United Airlines that recently had a Kentucky doctor dragged off a flight last year for not giving up his seat and then probably lost, I would say, in excess of $100 million in a lawsuit? Hey, United... I'll handle all my own morality. Thanks, though. Peter Greenberg, I don't put a lot of his stuff up. He kind of makes the uh, the Good Morning America Today show rounds in the morning. He's one of their travel analysts. He talked about the surprising amount of money left behind with TSA. Every time travelers are told to empty their pockets before going through security, that doesn't necessarily mean that they remember to put everything back in when they clear security. And in particular, they are leaving behind money. Between October 2017 and last September, airline passengers left nearly $1 million in unclaimed currency. One million shekels. Damn. Mom was right. A penny saved can quickly become a million dollars. My question is, where does this money go, right? Employee profit sharing a huge Christmas party. You know, how about buckets and buckets of those pens so they can easily mark up my boarding pass? No, 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 no. It goes for additional training. Well, after spending so much time at airports, I think TSA may want to revisit how they're allocating those dollars. Winding up the month, again, view from the wing. The moment two passengers emerge together from a United Airlines laboratory. So just think about that headline for a minute. Team USA Beach Volleyballer Stafford Slick. And with a name like that, there is no doubt that guy would end up playing volleyball. Stafford Slick videotaped two passengers emerging from the lavatory together on his United flight. Women were lining up for the lavatory for about 10 minutes and no one was coming out. That's usually when you hope a flight attendant will throw some coffee grounds in there between usages. Flight attendant notices the line saying to one of the women, you're still here? And no one's moved? Well, right about that time, the lavatory door opens, a man appears, and then just a few seconds later, 
a woman in a matching red jumper also walks out from the cramped room, apparently having just joined the Mile High Club. Guess what? I recently did this. No, not joined the Mile High Club. I recently used an airplane lavatory. You know, most of my flights are two, three hours. I can usually control myself for a few hours, but I ended up having a layover with no plane change in Baltimore for about 30 or 40 minutes. So I actually decided to go visit the laboratory. I have not been in an airplane bathroom in years. They haven't gotten any bigger. And I have no idea how two people can actually fit in the lavatory, much less how two people can simultaneously remove or unzip some part of clothing. I don't know how somebody doesn't get a Charlie horse, but by God, you got to give it to these people. So we have two more members of the Mile High Club. Welcome. Well, there you have it. September's craziness all bundled together in less than 30 minutes. Thanks for listening and safe travels. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.